Welcome to this podcast of Center of Least Nation. This is your host, Pat LaRusso. I'm joined by a very special guest, a freelance writer for ESPN 538, mostly NBA, but he does specialize in officiating. And uh, yeah, we'll have to preface this. He's also a, Leaf, a lifelong Leaf fan. Uh, welcome, Ben Dossett. How's it going? Hey, doing really well. Thanks for having me, Pat. So before we go into sort of kind of how this whole podcast came about, uh, you want to let our listeners know sort of what you do and, and your background and so on. Yeah. Um, so I'm a freelance, as you noted, freelance writer. I mostly uh, currently contribute to ESPN and 538. Um, as you said, I'm primarily in the NBA space. In fact, I have never written a hockey article that's been published. I've <laughs> written things about hockey. They've just never been published. Um, but one of my key, well, a couple of my key specialties within the NBA, and that has in some cases uh, slightly extended to other sports and, and, and research in other sports is officiating. Uh, and also technology, uh, two areas that kind of sometimes cross over into one another uh, and sometimes don't. But I have some definite thoughts about how the <laughs> NHL differs from other leagues in terms of bo- in both those areas and some others that I think we'll get in in terms of bias and things like that. Frankly, I just don't think the NFL is or the NHL is as well run of a league as these other leagues. But yeah, we'll get into all that. <laughs> we, we will. We will. And I, I kind of want to preface this entire podcast because when you look at the other major leagues, they're probably run better in the sense that they don't bite the hand that feeds them, where the NHL seems to constantly get in its way, especially when it comes to their bigger markets. Um, you made actually a pretty, you had a pretty extensive thread earlier on this week. Do you want to let our listeners know sort of what your thoughts were and maybe we'll kind of dissect each point? Yeah. Um, so I'm not actually looking at the thread right now. And you, if I get little bits of this wrong, just like remind me, but I believe it was uh, with the Oak Leafs over on Twitter, who's one of my yes. favorite dudes. I love Oak. Uh, first of all, his bio, own your hockey bias. I believe that about all sports and really about life. Like it's one of my biggest things in life. We all have mental biases in everything that, that come from n- numerous different sources. Recognizing and owning those makes your life better, particularly within sports. So for instance, when I'm talking about hockey, I have no issue noting I'm wearing a Leafs hat. I'm a massive lifelong Leafs fan. I love the Maple Leafs, uh, despite living in Utah. My whole family's from uh, from Toronto, so I love the Leafs that's a bias of mine. Like I'm aware of it. I try and uh, that might cloud the way I think about certain things, but being aware of it even by itself helps you. Anyway, that's a, that's a, that's an aside. I was having a, uh, I believe that Oak posted something about, in fact, you might have to refresh my memory on what his initial post was, because I don't remember what he was initially posting about, but I base, I, oh, you know what I do? It was about the whole situation that's been going on for the past week or so with the emergency recall situation with the yes. and and trying to call up Joseph Wall and not being allowed to by the league, having to call up the ATO goalie on for several games, having to play Samsonov on, I, I think it was Monday or whatever day that was when really they probably would have rather not played him in that game, all those things. Uh, and it looked, and I want to be clear that I'm not an expert on the NHL's recall rules and things like that, but it sure looked like at least for that, that one game, I think it was Monday uh, when, when Samsonov was forced to play from what I understand about the rules. And from what I was seeing on Twitter, from people who understand those rules more closely than me, it seemed like the league was not being fair in not allowing the Maple Leafs to recall Joseph Wall, that all the based on past precedent and all the, the the circumstances involved there, they should have been able to do that. Um, and that looked like one of 
a few incidents I think you can look at over periods of years where I think it's really obvious that far from being biased toward its big markets like Toronto or some of the others in the league, I believe that the NHL is actually going really far in the opposite direction. I don't know why. Maybe they like they care more about the perception of favoritism than they do about like the actual reality. And they want to go so far in the other direction to avoid any suggestion of impropriety or things like that. I really I really don't know why. But we see regular examples of and look, again, I'm a Leafs fan, so I have a bias. I'm not asking, I'm not saying the Leafs, that, that the league should treat a big market like Toronto better than its other teams. That's ridiculous. Of course, a league should treat all teams equally in these settings. They should use precedent and they should use the fair approaches to judge anything like this, whether it's a recall or any other type of situation that the league's involved in. But in things like, I don't know, you can look back at suspension lengths in the past for certain things that Leaf players have done or that other players in big markets have done you can look at uh you have the silly rules within the nhl about how players can't skate at places during the off season in their do you know about this pat players can't skate at 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 non-team affiliated center so like toronto for instance has a million hockey rinks all over everywhere and it's like players can't go to one of those rinks if it's not a team affiliated facility because other small markets might not get that benefit like come on man like the um there's stuff with waivers in the past that i've seen has has been really wonky and really weird with big markets and my whole thing is as you you put it perfectly and you're you're kind of leading into this biting the hand that feeds you again no one is suggesting that these markets should get better treatment than the small markets they should not they should get even treatment but if you're actively giving them worse treatment in the places that contain the largest majority of your fans as a league, that's just really dumb. That's just not how to run a league. It doesn't make any sense. Like, frankly, in other leagues, like the, the NBA is the one I cover most closely, but the NFL, they're in, in virtually any other league, you can look at European football is a, is a great example of this as well. The, the, the implications tend to be the other way. People tend to accuse those leagues of favoring those teams. And however true those those accusations really are or little trends and things like that i think it's obvious that if they were given truth serum the people who run those leagues would say yeah we're a little more likely to favor los angeles or or miami than we are to favor utah and for instance or something like that and it would make sense you wouldn't love it if they admitted that to you of course but it would make sense why they do right got lots of fans in those places growing a league you need fans to intentionally and i i use the phrase shit on i hope i'm allowed to say that on on your podcast here to intentionally shit on your big markets like more than is reasonable that just hurts your fan base and it's just a silly decision as a league and it's for me it's just one of several examples of how the nhl they don't care about the right stuff and they don't care about their fans and i you know and and it starts to dovetail into some of the things we're seeing with michael bunting as well and i know you're really big on officiating it's clear that the player has gone underneath the NHL official's skin. It is clear that he's gone underneath the league's skin. But at some point, someone needs to say, we need to let it go. Like, it can no longer be per- personal when, like we saw it again in the Tampa game, he goes to defend Tavares, and he's the only one that comes out of that scrum with a penalty. Yeah. Like, how, how does one explain that? Like, you just, you can't. Well, so I think we'll, I, I wanted, if you're cool with it, I wanted to just t- talk about another couple of examples outside of the officiating sphere that and they're not even actually the main one that i have here is not as much of a a biased thing it's more of a why does the league operate like this in relationship to its fans thing and that is 
stats available for this league. If you compare the NBA or the NHL to the NBA, the NFL, any of the other major sports, even to tennis or, or, or sports like those, the gap in terms of what's available to fans and media and teams even, but mostly fans from for the purposes of this conversation, the gap in what's available is absolutely massive. The NHL actively refuses to put any kinds of advanced stats on its own website to the point where we have to have websites like natural statric and evolving hockey and third parties who keep good, decent stats for the NHL. And they struggle to do that. They, you know, they have to do They're They're scraping their stats from a crappy database that the NHL runs. It, it's not a good setup. The, the uh, possibilities for entertainment coming from stats and, you know, broadcast insights and things like those they're, miles behind these other leagues why why is that the case in a league that frankly the nhl could use some help in drawing more fans it doesn't do as well as the nfl or the nba or major league baseball it needs more i don't understand it, it to me it seems like all these other major leagues make an earnest effort to growing their fan base and particularly to officiating which we'll talk about in, in just a little bit i frequently look at the nhl and i think how is it that the people in charge of this entity are still in charge of it because they have not grown it or evolved it in any meaningful ways in like a long time. Sorry. Some of this is ranty. As you can tell, I've been an NHL fan for a long time and it just bugs me that the league, like hockey's my favorite sport. I grew up playing hockey. Yes. I, I've, I've gravitated into basketball as I've gotten older uh, and I really do enjoy analyzing it, but I love watching hockey more than any other sport. It bugs me that the league sucks so much, honestly, like it's just not a great league. Sorry. I'm rambling. No, and it's really not. And it's funny because like hockey could be the world's greatest sport, but it's run by a bunch of adults. Um, and I ha and it's funny because like one of the people that I ended up having a conversation with outside of your thread, you know, the gentleman's like, oh, well, the league makes money. And he's like, that's wow. You know, that 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 needs to be the president. Like, that needs to be what's important. I'm like, but to what cost? Like profits should never supersede the sport because it's the sport the fans go to watch you know that's been my issue with the salary cap that's my issues with limited player transactions that's my issues with like the ato issue with the leaf school tending it, it there's this mounting issues that it goes against the sport which would pull in more of the casual fan because the casual fan doesn't care about the salary cap it doesn't care that arizona's bearing contracts here there and, and you know almost every day you know they want to see their favorite team win and, and that's what you bring more fans into the sport they they like trades they like player movement and we're not seeing that where the other leagues they eclipse the nhl when it comes to how it goes you know it goes you know and searching for organic you know content and it's yeah and especially if and i don't know this i don't know the people who run the nhl they don't i don't talk to them but they, they, gary bettman is not on speed dial but like if if they are truly viewing those things as kind of separate the the being profitable, but, and the fan experience, that's insane. Those two things go directly together. If you make your game awesome and lots of, lots of people want to watch it, you're going to draw more fans. You're going to make more money. That's how it works. The NBA is really successful right now because it's about to sign another massive television deal that 
explodes its salary cap. Salary cap's going to go way up. They've already put measures in place to smooth it so it doesn't all go up in one season because we had that uh, several years ago and it, it was wild. It screwed a whole bunch of things up. <laughs> now they're it's going to be such a jump that they've actually got to smooth it out over time. And that's because that's not because they sat there thinking, how can we make the most money on a given day? It's because they were thinking, how can we get our fans the most engaged and get our viewership up so the TV stations will want to pay us for our product? That's These things go directly hand in hand and the NHL somehow does not seem to have realized that in the year 2023. No, it doesn't. It doesn't understand social media where I think that the, the players could use their, their platforms to help grow the game. We know that the players have like pre-scripted statements for after every post game. Like there's no personality in NHL where there is with the other sports. And it's just, it's free marketing. Let these guys leverage their social media as it should and let them market your sport. And we just don't see it. And then, that's not even get me started on the Olympics and why they don't go there. Oh yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that's the exact same kind of thing. Like how do you give your, let's look at baseball for instance, which we just had the world baseball class. Is it classic or cup? I, I think it's classic. I think classic. Right? Yeah. Uh, we had that like a month ago. That was such a massive success for the sport of baseball. And frankly, for major league baseball, even though that sport, that competition was not run by major league baseball. That was a huge boon for major league baseball. People were so much more interested in the sport because of how the WBC went down. It was fantastic. It was an awesome competition that the NHL being so close minded that it can't realize those kinds of things. Yeah. It's just another example of what we're talking about. It is. It's just like, you know, you have, a, you know, you have markets like Toronto, Chicago, New York, LA leverage them. Like I kind of equate, you know, people saying to me, well, you know, the business needs to take president over the sport, but if you relate it to say your car, when you want your car to go from A to B, do you rely on the headlights or do you rely on the engine? And a lot of people seem to think that the league should run, through the headlights, they're not realizing that the car is not moving forward. And it, because the sport's not evolving, once the core hockey audience dies off or fades away, there's no one to backfill them like the other sports have done. You're absolutely right. In fact, I've, I've read, and I'm not going to get too deep into this because I'm not an expert on it or anything, but the, the whole concept of diminishing trust for within a, a, a broadcast product, whether that be sports or any other kind of entertainment, People at exe executives in these companies tend to have a sort of a backwards way of thinking about it. For instance, if the NHL were to look at its current viewership metrics and fan engagement and those kinds of things, they'd probably tell you, yeah, we're doing fine. We're happy with with where things are. I mean, we could be doing better, but like we're not we're not on the brink of insolvency or anything going crazy. But what's got what's happening under the surface there? is an, a, an eroding of trust, even among people who are still paying for the product. So people like you and I, I'm, I'm going to be paying for the NHL for at least until the Leafs win a Stanley cup for forever. That's just how it's going to be. They're, they're getting my money regardless, but there are a lot of people who are in a, in a middle section there. They watch the sport. They, they have a favorite team or maybe they have a favorite player, whatever it is, but over periods of time, they're seeing these kinds of things, whatever they dislike of these various subjects that we've raised here, that trust begins to erode. And all of a sudden the bottom falls out when a, you mentioned the generational thing is also a big part of that. The, the baby boomer generation, that's a huge part of hockey fandom right now is getting older. Uh, and, and that's going to be part of affecting viewership as well. I think there's a very real chance the NHL looks up if they don't make any changes in the, the, to its leadership or to the way they approach these kinds of things. 
I think we could be looking at a situation in, I don't know what, eight, 10 years where all of a sudden that base has eroded. The the younger viewers are not as interested. Their parents who were driving their interest in the sport are not around as often anymore. That all those kinds of things could combine to really put the NHL in a crappy position. And they could be looking back at, frankly, now and the last several years as the, the crux point for why they didn't do what other leagues were doing to make themselves more marketable. And, you know, speaking of other leagues, you know, people like to say, well, the M, you know, MLB, NBA and NFL, you know, especially in the United States, they take presidents. OK, let's give let, let's just give that audience those three leagues. But then you start looking at MLS. In North America, soccer really wasn't a core sport. You know, yeah, you had people that were fans of European soccer or Latin American soccer, but people are buying into MLS now. And then you start looking at some of the graphs and charts coming on sponsorship revenue. And now they're kind of nipping on the toes of the NHL. It wouldn't surprise me within five years if MLS becomes part of the top four and the, and the NHL drops completely out. Of it, would surprise me if, it would surprise me if that doesn't happen, the, to, to be honest with you. I mean, just based on the, the, the popularity of soccer, which is, the, to be clear, they have a slight advantage there in that soccer is just a way more popular sport basically everywhere in the world except Canada than, than hockey is. Um, including in the United States. Um, but there are absolutely lessons to take from MLS and the way that they've built themselves from a grassroots organ. Now, to be clear, they haven't been perfect. It's taken them a while to get here. They scuffled for a while. I think I, I haven't done the research, but I would assume probably due to some of the same kinds of, of struggles early on. But then they changed gears. They recognized what was and wasn't working for them. And they're having a lot of success now. And once again, that just, that just doesn't seem to be anything the folks at the NHL are interested in. Uh, do you want to do the, the officiating stuff? Because I got stuff written down here. Yeah, let's do. Yeah, I know you're chomping at the bit for the officiating stuff when we uh, yeah. when we originally started this, you know, this conversation. So I do want to touch on the bunting thing, because I do think it speaks to a larger issue with the officiating. It's the game by game, game management stuff that we see. A penalty in, in one game may not be a penalty in one in another game. Penalty in the first period may not be a penalty in the third period. Penalty in the regular season may not be a penalty in the in the in the playoffs. How does a professional organization justify this? Like I I can't grasp it, especially too when you look at the other leagues. You know they really base a lot of the revenue on gambling, and when a gambler is looking at the NHL and they don't know how they're mm -hmm. to gamble. It impacts people's engagement with the sport. That's a huge, by the way, I actually completely forgot to even write that down in the stuff that I had. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I would have forgotten it. That's a huge part of this conversation. Bet, whether you like it or not, and I know there will be some of your listeners who are not into sports gambling. In fact, I don't even do that much of it myself. I'm, I'm fine with it, but I don't do that much of it. Whatever you think of it, it's a huge part of success for these leagues moving forward. That's just the reality that that's a huge source of income and it's a, it's a huge way to grow the league. And you're exactly right that because of the issues that I will get into, most several of which you just summarized pretty well, that's there are huge concerns about that from those companies and 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 from individuals as well. And that's if it doesn't change, that's going to be a potentially massive issue. So you said that the key term that's important here, which is game management. The NHL is the only league of the the major North American sports that continues to back a game management format. And what game management really means is it's a broad term. It can be applied in several different ways. You went over several examples uh, just now. It's really the idea that anything beyond whether or not a player committed an infraction of the rules should impact whether a call was made. So that player's star status or lack of star status 
which team is winning the game? At what part of the game are we? Uh, which team was called for the last penalty? That's actually a really big one. I'll get to that in, in just a second. What the player's reputation is. That's the one that we're discussing with Michael Bunting here. None of those things in a fair system, a fair system of officiating, none of those things should have any impact on whether that player is called for a penalty on a given play. The only thing that should have an impact on that is whether that player committed an infraction of the rules at that time. And the other major leagues, the NBA, I think most notably, although, as I said, I'm, I cover them most closely, so I may have a slight bias there, but also the NFL, also Major League Baseball, although it's it's very easy in Major League Baseball. Everything's black and white in Major League. It's not very hard. Um, they, all of those leagues have made key significant efforts within the last, I'd say, 15 to 20 years, roughly, in removing game management concepts from their sport. Now, they have not been perfect at doing that. There's these are still humans who are officiating these games. They're still going to be prone to bias at times. Those, those efforts are not perfect, but at the league level, they are making those efforts. They are pouring major resources into it. For instance, I, I'll do a little uh, plugging of myself. I've got a story coming on ESPN sometime in the next few weeks here about the, ES, the NBA Replay Center and the massive role that the Replay Center continues and the, I should say, growing role that the Replay Center plays each year in taking call responsibility off the plates of referees who are on the court and moving them to people who have 12 slow motion view angles and can see things way better because of course that just makes sense that doesn't mean they're going to get every call right but they're making an earnest effort to do that the nhl however does not and not only this is not just me saying it because as i uh, told you on twitter the other day pat i'm not a i'm not a tinfoil hat guy I actually really dislike that. I think conspiracy theory theorists are for the most part kind of dumb. No offense to anyone who's listening and who, and who does that. Like for the most part, conspiracy theories are just like excuses for our brain to explain negative outcomes that we can, that we can't face, that we're not tough enough to just face. Um, that said, I am not wearing a tinfoil hat on this. The things I'm saying are observable in data. So for instance, I'm looking at an article on my screen right now from February 3rd, 2021 on the face-off circle. It's a site run by Jeff Viet. Uh, I don't know if you know Jeff. Good, yep. great dude. Uh, does really, really good analysis. The article is titled, uh, Why Toronto's Penalty Complaints Are Legitimate and Symptoms of a League-Wide Problem. Uh, I just listed the title so anyone can go look it up if they're interested. Jeff starts out by, and this is from 21, uh, during the, I believe it was the, the back part of the regular season. And you remember there were definite issues in the Toronto fan base at that point about we're getting screwed by the referees. So he set out, Jeff set out to essentially confirm or deny, is that the case in his article? But what he ended up actually getting to was a much more league-wide conclusion that reveals a fairly startling reality. And that reality is... Every team in the NHL, and this goes back multiple seasons, where, and we're talking about every season that a team has had. I think he went back like 10 years or something like that. Yeah, no, he went further. He went to 2007. He went all the way back to when we have penalty data. You would expect in a sport like the NHL, where teams are, you know, some teams have Connor McDavid, who is an un, or, or Austin Matthews, while other teams don't have players, anything like that, that there should be some fairly large penalty differentials. Some teams should just draw way more penalties than they commit. Like this year's Bruins, for instance, I would think they're like the best team ever. They, one would probably think they're way more talented than their average opponent on the average night. They should draw more infractions of the rules on their opponent than, the, than another team. Yet you can look at the history of penalties drawn versus penalties taken in this league there are no outliers. They simply don't exist. The reality is that teams' penalties drawn statistics tend to fall 
almost exactly even, and you, he's, he plotted this out with several line graphs that you can look at in Jeff's article that's very well done, that display this, that there are no instances, even going back to 2007, of teams having a really far out penalty differential in either direction. Either we draw way more than we commit or we commit way more than we draw. That does not make sense in a league where where evenness is not what it is supposed to be, where, sim- where where the rules broken is supposed to be the definer of whether a call is made. That's not what's actually happening. Um, we also have, by the way, uh, I'm also looking at another article, and this one's a little older. This one's from 2015, um, but it's by Noah Davis and Michael Lopez in 538, my own, uh, one of my own homes. It's called Hockey Refs Are Out to Get You, parentheses, if they already got the other guy. Uh, and as I say, this research is uh, only up to 2015, but I can tell you it had none of the, the conclusions in here have changed ever since. First of all, this article contains Kerry Frazier, the former NHL, longtime NHL referee, actively discussing game management. The first quote from Kerry Frazier in here is, that's bad game management, uh, meaning NHL referees have been thinking with a game management uh, approach for a long, long time. Not that we weren't aware of that just from watching what they do on the ice, but there was Kerry Frazier confirming that uh, in this article. But then this article goes on to dig into within games. We're not even talking about the larger samples that Jeff was using in his article, which those are go over periods of years. We're talking about within a game, which team is most likely to be called for the next penalty. They found that over many years of data leading up to 2014-15, Teams are far more likely to be called for the next penalty if they weren't called for the last one. That, once again, is insane. That's not how this should work. There should be no such thing as teams being, quote unquote, owed a penalty. If the last four calls went against a team, that's because they committed the last four penalties. They shouldn't have have to owe the other team another call. And yet... I guarantee every fan listening to this has experienced this a million times with their own team where you got the last penalty or maybe the last two or three. And you said, oh, well, we know we're getting the next one. So we got to be really careful. These stats, by the way, just get worse in the playoffs. They just get worse in overtime. In fact, in overtime, the second penalty. So whoever gets called for the first penalty in overtime, that's team A. The second penalty is three times more likely to be called on team B. After that, three times more likely in overtime. And again, that's across a huge sample of data over multiple years. And again, only went up to 2014, 15, but I can tell you none of the, maybe the precise numbers have changed, but none of the conclusions have. These biases exist in massive ways. And I, I, as with you, I almost don't know how to, how to talk about it because it's so shocking to me that a league at this point in time with the resources available to it, which are vast, would have no interest in changing this. It seems to me, and I don't know, maybe give me your thoughts here as well, Pat, because I've been talking forever, but like, it seems to me that maybe the league enjoys the parity that comes from this, because definitely this helps parity. The idea of evening calls out and keeping keeping the call totals relatively matching that helps worse teams that worse teams won't get called for as many penalties that increases parity it hurts teams in some cases like the better teams like what the maple leafs have hoped to or tried to be over the last several years i don't know do you agree with that or can you like think of any other reasons why a league would be because it's clear that the nhl is okay with this they want this i just don't get it (laughs) 
I, I often wonder, and I had I tossed this out uh, to Corey Landsberg uh, as well as as a thought, but I, I found that the NHL enjoys courting controversy, mm. and because like every year we go through this, and it's not a Toronto centric problem, and 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 I try saying this on 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 social media and people just, it just goes over people's heads. This isn't a Toronto problem. It's a league wide problem. Like I've watched other games and like you pointed out, one team gets three power plays and you just know that that next power play is going to go to the other team. That's not how a game should be managed, right? Like it just, it ruins the credibility of the league and they like to be, they like this courting of this issue. I don't know what it is. But at the same time, I mean, I'm like, I say, I'm an NBA guy the NBA has constant officiating controversies. Like, especially we're coming into the playoffs now. I have an article, a different article by, uh, for 538 coming soon that basically indicates like every year in the NBA around playoff time, there's at least one article about like, oh, officials are worse than ever this year. We got to do something about it. Like but forgetting I, that there's been a thousand of those articles every single spring. Um, Sorry, you were going to say something. Yeah, but I, but I think it's how the leagues handle those controversies, right? That's like a good I, point. Like I think the NHL, like at least you can say, like, and like you mentioned earlier, the other leagues are are putting in a valiant effort to correct it. That's true. In fact, the the league more than once this year, the NBA that is, has outright come out and admitted missed calls. There was a big uh, there was a big play in a January game where LeBron James, the biggest superstar in the league, was clearly fouled at the end of a game. I think it was like 0.7 seconds left in the game when he uh, with a tie game where he should have been shooting two free throws to win the game. And then they ended up losing in overtime because he was not given those free throws. Replay immediately showed he got smacked across the arm, should have been called for a foul. The NBA, I believe either later that night or the very next morning, admitted the error. Would you ever see the NHL? Do something like that? Of course not. No, but but I think that's what makes a difference, right? Like if you can own a problem, I think fans and the casual sports and even media as a whole, we're willing to give you that grace. You know what? There's a mistake. You've accepted it. You know, you're working to fix it. The NHL just goes silent. And then if you call them out for it, that's where you get the whole Michael Bunting situation where now they've taken it personally. So now teams, I think, are scared to come out and say, this game was officiated incorrectly. I think organizations are scared to call the league out. And it just, by not, by having no accountability, it doesn't correct the problem. It's just burying your, your head in the sand doesn't fix anything. And it's, you mentioned accountability and the other big term there is transparency. There is none. Whereas, and, and this is not to say that the NBA or other leagues just like open everything up to the fans. In fact, there are some in the NBA who believe that the NBA should release the, the NBA grades all of its referees. I've done reporting on this in the past. They don't release that information publicly. They inf- they release last two minute reports for close games and things like that, but they don't release the entire data sets. Some people believe that they should. That's a, a worthwhile debate subject. I think it's yes. at least interesting. But w- with the NHL, we're talking about apples to kumquats here or something they're not even in the same ballpark they don't have anything resembling an l2 a last two minute report sorry i say l2 because yes. i'm used to my um and then you've got the fact that the nhl's the head of the nhl's department of player safety is one of the biggest goons to ever play in the history of the game george peros what sense would it make if the nba brought in who's the who's a a, a Dennis Rodman wasn't a dirty player, but he was a dirty player or he was a player known for not always agreeing with the referees. Let's put it like that. What if the NBA brought in Dennis Rodman to be its head of officials, despite him having no experience as a referee ever? 
and having frankly had lots of issues with people who did fill those roles while he was in, while he played in the league. Imagine if the NBA did that, or if the, if football brought in its dirtiest linebacker from history to be the head of referees for the league, what? And now I understand that Paris is not the head of all referees. He's the head of the department of player safety. It's slightly different. I get that. It's frankly, it being player safety makes it even a little crazier to me. The guy was, how many people did that guy injure in his career? They, none of this makes any sense. There is, <laughs> sorry, there's that, the other part, we, again, we mentioned it earlier, This the, there's no standardization for processes in terms of suspensions, fines, any kind of disciplinary action that needs to come for players. No standardization, no use of precedent. No, it's it legitimately might be a child throwing darts at a dartboard. We don't know because again, there is no transparency. Teams can appeal, but it's just, you're appealing to Gary and then Gary decides. And I, I'm pretty sure that, that some of the issues in this case uh, trace back to Gary. So that's probably not the most, uh, the, the simplest system. Anyway, it's a, all of this is to say that especially going back to our points earlier about, you know, the, the future of this league, the, you know, a league like MLS growing the way that sports broadcasts are changing. I mean, all the issues with Bally sports here. I don't know if that guy's that gets up to you guys up there uh, in Toronto, but there's a, a huge issue across both baseball and basketball right now of local regional Bally sports broadcasts going bankrupt and potentially numerous markets, not having local options available for them. As all of these areas evolve, the, NA, the fact that the NHL is in the 1990s or maybe even earlier still in their mindset is a big problem for those of us who love hockey and want to see the sport succeed. So I, I do want to, speaking of regionals, that's another issue that I have with local media here in Toronto. It's We don't have a regional broadcasting when it comes to Leaf games. How many times have you listened to a Leaf game and thought you were getting an out-of-market out feed? Like the amount of overcorrection to not seem like you're being a homer is quite remarkable to me. And I find it difficult at points of the season when I listen to some of the guys because they feel like they have to overcorrect. So sometimes even some of the information is misconstrued or not put into proper context. Because um, I know, you know, we want to try and wrap up this recording shortly, but I do want to get your thoughts on, you know, that issue that some people are having now with even the Leafs not having a regional broadcast because I, I find it's irritating at times too. So I, uh, it's weird. So I'm in Utah, like I said, I'm in the US. So I go through, uh, I have like, I go through ESPN plus where okay. all the games and they usually have like a Sportsnet broadcast available to me. So I might somehow actually be in a better spot than some fans in Toronto, which that's crazy on its own. That's that. That's wild for the league's biggest market by far, by far that Toronto sports, the entire NHL that's, that should not be the case, but also, um, I would note that so uh, periodically we don't get those like for instance uh uh Tampa the Tampa game on Tuesday night was actually just on ESPN the network like the actual ESPN station so I didn't have the option to choose broadcasters I only had one broadcast and it was a some kind of a quote unquote national broadcast that's happened a few times this year and I will say this is anecdotal I haven't like actually tracked how many nice things did they say about the Leafs versus how many they said about the other team or whatever. And maybe it's just me and my bias and whatnot, but I have noticed multiple times. In fact, last night I was commenting or not during the Tampa game, I was commenting to my wife about how it really seemed like these broadcasters were talking a lot more about Tampa. It really seemed like 
like when the Leafs went ahead in the third period, the guy was talking about how oh, Tampa probably wasn't trying their hardest. But then when Tampa <laughs> scored to tie it, he was like, what a great effort there. You can tell they're really ramping up for the playoffs. Like, like again, that's anecdotal. That might just be me like hearing what I want to hear or whatever. But I have in the games that have been national only where I don't get the, the choice of my broadcast. I have noticed that a bit this year. And if that's a particularly if that's a trend that actual fans in Toronto have to deal with on a regular basis, that's just another of these exact same same kinds of issues that's sure the diehards like you and me we're going to deal with that and we're going to live with it hell we'll mute the thing if we have to we just want to watch hockey but there's a lot of people who are not going to fall into that category and who after enough of that are going to be like you know what this sucks i'm gonna go watch the blue jays or, or whatever but it does but for the casual fan that maybe only checks in out of the 82 game season maybe 40 games it frames how some fans even see the leafs it's like I look at some people's replies and it's like they're a top five team and how you're talking about them based on whatever you're hearing on the radio or on TV. It's like, you know, I, I would expect that these professionals would be professional and it is their job to kind of educate the fan, the casual fan, because the hardcores, we kind of know the ins and outs, but it's to educate the casual fan to get them to come in to get them to follow the team. And when you're shitting on your largest market, over an 82 game season, then and then another, unfortunately, seven games in the first round. <laughs> it, it does make things difficult. I will say, just as like a fun to kind of wrap that up, that within the broadcaster realm, this is not an NHL exclusive problem. I will tell you that there are there are lots of teams and their local broadcasts here in the NBA that they're just terrible. Like they just don't, they, they, it's clear that people don't put any effort in there, that kind of thing. So that is not an NHL only issue. Even more successful leagues have those problems too. But I mean, frankly, when you compare to the NA, the NFL, which I think is the gold standard for its commentators and the way they've, they've produced, I mean, look at what Tony Romo does on their broadcasts and things like that. These, these leagues, including the NHL, who's at the very back, they're definitely trailing in these, in those areas. So before we wrap this up, I kind of like to offer our listeners solutions. So we've covered, you know, a litany of issues that are impacting viewership and, and the league's ability to grow. But what would, if you could sit in Gary Bettman's chair tomorrow, what would, how would you fix it? Um, I would probably call up Adam Silver, Byron Spruill, Monty McCutcheon, and the other folks primarily involved in the overhauling of the NBA's officiating program over the last say, and there are other people there too. I don't mean to be like you know, Don Vaden, if you, you're not going to hear this, but like the other, other people who are in it, Shelly Rusi that have been involved in those processes, but the NBA again, not perfect. And in part, because I believe basketball is by far the hardest sport to officiate of all the team sports, like exponentially harder than any of these other team games. Hockey might be second, but basketball is definitely number one, like by far, they have made a true earnest effort and put in maximum resources to try and do everything they can within the realistic levels of their power to make officiating better and more efficient. They lean harder and harder on the replay center, which I know the NHL has a replay center. I don't know much about it, but I know that it pales in comparison to the NBA's, which has like a hundred TV monitors and it is actively involved in calls in every single game, including calls that people aren't aware of, like calls that are made without the fans ever seeing them or, or confirmed in the replay center. The NHL is nothing like that happening. Um, the, the other part of that would be a move away from the game management approach, like we've talked about, an emphasis on telling referees that these kinds of biases are no longer how we do this, that just because Michael Bunting 
yelled at a ref one time or something doesn't mean that you should officiate him differently or that any of those other examples of that just because it's overtime should not change the way the game's officiated just because one team's winning three nothing should not change the way the game's officiated the rules are the rules they are called the same way no matter or at least our goal is for them to be called the same way no matter what yeah basically i would just call up the nba or look at the nba and the things that the nba has done because while those efforts have not been perfect there are missed calls in every nba game some of them are really major like that one on lebron that i was just talking about they have clearly improved the product for fans they've made the job easier for referees they've made it better and if the nhl wants to have the same kind of success as the nba both in officiating areas and in other parts of the sport think they need to start thinking more that way no this has been fun ben um you know where can our listeners find you on social media and uh you know when you mentioned that you have a new article coming out so when can our listeners uh, look for that yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Ben underscore Dowsett. That's D-O-W-S-E-T-T. Um, do be aware, I sometimes tweet about politics. So just, just know, I don't always tweet about sports. I do not stick to sports. Uh, there, um, but then, so let's. So as I mentioned, I kind of contribute to two outlets. The, bit, the article that I have discussing the replay center and going really deep into that whole thing will be for ESPN. It does not have a precise date. It might be next week. We're recording this on the, the April 13th. It might be next week or it might be the week after. Kind of depends on when certain teams play in their playoff games. ESPN really likes to target those pieces to get maximum visibility and everything like that. But then I also have another coming and I'll even spoil slightly what it's about. It's about all the myths that it's actually about refs. Uh, It's about all the myths that NBA fans have when talking about refs during the playoffs. Uh, It's more fun for me as much as anything. Uh, And that will be coming out one week from today when we record that. So uh, April 20th, uh, folks can expect that on 538. So this has been fun, Ben. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. I'm sure the NHL will give us many more reasons to want to vent and and, and exercise our our (laughs) anger and our emotions. Um, But thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Pat. I appreciate it. This week's podcast is brought to you by Focal USA. Get all your favorite sports memorabilia at Focal.com.